Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be and whatever time it is where you may be joining us. We are so excited that you have found us and are spending this time with us here on the Hope Rising Ministries podcast. My name is Alex. With me is Trey. Good morning, Trey. How are you, man? Hey, Alex. What's up? What's up, peoples? How's how's your week been? How's everything going? Oh, everything's going good, Alex. Um, You know, work is work. It's, it's called it's not it's not called labor for nothing so <laughs> you know uh, that is that is the truth you know um you know i don't i don't have a whole bunch of like hard labor at work it's mm-hmm. mostly uh you know um like i'm on call 24 7 like all the time have been for years and i'm used yeah. to it and it's okay um but you know sometimes it gets pretty taxing you know you get a call at three o'clock in the morning and either a you can troubleshoot over the phone or b you got to get in the car and drive you know so so let me ask you how many like how many times have you had to actually get up you know and drive in for calls like that um i don't know i've been there 27 years so i mean does that happen you know monthly maybe every few months kind of thing well for for first few years of course you know before i got my head wrapped around everything i had yeah. to go in and figure it out but now i yeah. can pretty much troubleshoot over the phone i mean i i know i mean i've done it so many times that he says okay this is what's going on so would you try this this and this and he says uh not the third one i said well the third one's gonna work so try that one you know and and, and usually yeah. he won't call back because it worked but every yeah. now and then you know once a month i have to get I have to drive to work Oh, that's okay man. yeah yeah it's that's right. that's wrong. that bit you know the the phone call that wakes you up you know while you're sleeping and then you have to think critically like that that's like right. you really have to have to put a lot of thought Usually into I'll it. Say, hold on a second let me get up <laughs> and i'll go into the, to the kitchen turn the light on and i'll just kind of lean over my phone and go okay now talk to me yeah you know because if I talk to him in the bed, I don't even remember it, you know. You me? You fell back you called me? Either. What? I don't, I, didn't, I don't remember talking to you. Yeah. Oh, man. How's so anyway, uh, outside of work? How's everything else? Well, I got two words um, that that the, both the words are just miraculous. Okay. Uh-huh. I got two words. Bacon jerky. How about that? Right. That sounds yeah, that sounds bacon pretty good. Jerky. So like here's the here's the secret about bacon jerky. Um you have to cook it slow, you have to smoke it slow and mm. long. Like I I I cooked this bacon, I smoked this bacon like two pounds yesterday for about seven hours at about one sixty. And I mean it caramelized. And half of it sweet, and half of it spicy, and let me tell you something. Yeah, I had to, I had to make myself not eat it, like <laughs> because I want other people to try it. So I, because I, I, I'd eat the whole bag in one sitting. It's bacon, yeah. man. You know, yeah, it's bacon. That's that's how I am in general. I I can't say I've ever had bacon jerky, but I I love jerky, and um, I I got into it a a few years ago <laughs> so much that that we bought a uh a jerky, you know, maker so that I could do it at home and, and yeah, yeah. just kind of like cook my own jerky. And so yeah. I did that for, you know, for a little while. I need to, I need to use it. Otherwise I'm, Brittany's going to make me end up selling it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I love some jerky, especially yeah. you put a little heat to it. Oh Heck man. Yeah. So good. Dude, what do I you made use for like your spice? I'm sorry. What'd you use for your spice? Um, I used uh, a Nashville hot chicken rub. Mm, okay. And uh, on the other one, I used um, like a little bit of sriracha mixed with brown sugar. Yep. You talk yeah. about like, all right, look, it's it's a piece of bacon. Okay. It's not like I processed it. It's a piece of bacon, but it's not crispy. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it's smoked and it's 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 got the texture of jerky. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, let me let me tell you those two words again. Bacon jerky. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh boy. So I mean, I, I can't make enough of it. People at work are like, you got some more jerky, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm the jerky man, you know. I'm I'm the, I'm that guy. 
Yeah. So let me yeah. let me tell you what, real quick before we dive into some scripture here. Uh-huh. I found some dill pickle spice for jerky. Oh, oh my gosh, dude! And I love dill pickles. Okay, I love, I love pickles. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. So so, not only did I try it and and I just fell in love with it quickly, but then I got me like a reaper and put it in with it. And oh man. man. So if you just put one reaper in, which is one of the hottest peppers in the world, but if you put one reaper into two pounds of meat, yeah, it kind of dissipates a little bit. And it's not real hot at all yeah. because when you cook pepper, it kind of some of the hot goes away. Mm-hmm. So, and I, either I smoke the jerky or I I do it in the oven. I don't have a de- that's a dehydrator you know, oven is right. yeah. So I just yeah. crack the door open a little bit and <clears throat> cook it for four hours on the lowest it'll go, and it's time. Yeah. And you talk about dill pickle. Um, we we were on vacation and by one of those like jerky shops that just have, you know, like hundreds of different types of jerky. And one of the ones that, that we got recently was a dill pickle. Oh, oh my God. It know, right? was so good. So I mean, good. I mean, like, as, as we stay down down here in the south, it's slap your mama good. I tell you that. Oh man, it was it was good, and, and it's one of those things like I love, I love dill pickles and I love dill pickle chips, and so I was like, you know, jerky and dill pickle. Let's let's give it a try, and man, right. it it was good. And, and then you talk about adding some heat to it. That man, that that would taste really good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Have to find some of that. And and as a matter of fact, uh, I've had some. What was it? Jalapeno dill pickle or, or like dill pickles, like actual dill pickles. The with, you know with jalapeno flavor and heat. The jalapeno. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah. There. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. You had me at jalapeno. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. love <laughs> See, we're, gonna have to a, we're gonna have to do a, a jerky podcast or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hey, know I you were that into jerky, Alex. I had no idea, man. Oh, I, I love jerky. I could like you were talking about. You could sit down and eat it all in one sitting. That's yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. I, I can yeah, do. Me too. Me too. Like I, I when I was making some, like I would try to make some and take it to work, and you know, kind of right. people trust them. And I mean, I could, uh, yeah. Before I even got to work with it, I could have eaten it all. Um, but yeah. yeah. So uh, so yeah. So. For for those who might be joining us for the first time, we don't always talk about jerky and and, uh, and whatnot. But the scripture that we're going to dive into today, um, we're excited to really pick back up. Um, if you if it is your first time, go back and listen to you know the last four or five episodes, and, and you'll kind of see where we are. We're going to be in Mark chapter six, and and maybe diving a little bit into Mark seven. But a few weeks ago, we talked about um, the, the miracle and the feeding of the 5,000, uh, which is in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. And just to kind of sum that up, in case you don't you know, know from the miracle itself, is that Jesus fed 5,000, um, who were 5,000 men, plus there were women and children. So some say even upwards to 10,000 people that Jesus fed in in this one instance with, uh, what was it? Five loads and two fish, I believe. That's a, that's a big um, deal. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. And, and so, so, so Alex, you know, Alex, actually, yeah. it was fish, it was fish jerky. I mean, think about it. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have refrigerators, you know, you had right. to dehydrate right. your meat so it would keep so you could eat it. So yeah, yeah the yeah. fish that the fish, the, the mom gave the kid some, some, some fish jerky, man. You know, that, that very well I mean, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Jesus takes that and he divides it among 5,000 plus uh, people, which is just incredible. Um, but then what happens at the end, though, there's there's something there to, you know, for us to take away and to learn from as well as everyone eats. It, it says that everyone eats. Where's it at? Let me find it just to, to make sure here that I, I read it the right way. Verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. Yep. Satisfied. Not they just got a bite and they were, you know, like barely quenched of their hunger or, or anything, <clears throat> but they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up, don't miss this. The disciples picked up after 5,000 plus people ate 
12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish for yep. leftovers. So why do you think he got them to pick up the leftovers? I mean, couldn't he have asked uh, all the people to bring the leftovers to him? <clears throat> so the disciples actually had to go through the cold crowd and nobody was upset about it. Yeah. Because yeah. they were satisfied. They were fine. Yeah. So, so was it because he was trying to teach him a lesson of, hey, let's let's not be wasteful? Right, right. I mean, uh, I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. And speaking of wasteful, do you know, I looked this up, before the restaurant started closing down, before that, um, the food industry, and I, I would say including households as well, you know how much... You know how many pounds of food per day that this country throws away? Yeah. You know how much? Two million pounds of food every day. Yeah. Oh, right? man. That's a lot, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's how rich this country is. And we don't understand that. And we, we I, I, being one of the we's, take that for advantage, uh, take advantage of that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not that aware of waste you know i'm not that yeah. aware of it so so really thinking about the the i like the way the the scripture describes the scraps as broken pieces mm. you know uh, jesus said this is my body broken for you and when it when it says before he distributed all this he broke the bread and gave thanks right yeah so yeah. You know, here's the mindset. The worldly mindset of the story is send the people away so they can get something to eat. The kingdom mindset is you give them something to eat, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's possible because Jesus is the bread of life. So, Amen. you know, he he takes what we have and feeds the people. And what do we have? We have him. That's what feeds the people. It's not my it's not me. It's not Alex. Yep. It's Christ, Christ, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. And and in that, you know, I mean, you see, like, one of the things that's always, I guess, sort of made me wonder what we can learn from this, too, and kind of one of the things is, like, Jesus could have, he could have easily dispersed enough food and given enough food that would have been just perfect for that crowd. Right. Right. So there right. would have been no leftovers. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, why didn't he do that? Yeah. But yet there is 12 basketfuls um, left. And, and I think for me, it's just one of those things like it always shows the abundance of what God can do um, and, and the abundance of Jesus in our lives. Yep. Um, because it's, it's more than we could ever ask or imagine. And, you know, I mean, you, you talk about the, the broken pieces of, of bread and fish that's left. And, you know, I've never really thought about that part, you know, because that is Jesus breaking the bread, giving thanks like that is his body that is, you know, broken for us and, and the representation there. And, and that's the pieces of, of Jesus, like his body being broken is abundantly enough for everyone who is who is there to to accept it um yep that's so that's, you know if if he if he said all right i'm i'm if the father had told him uh which he didn't but with father would have said okay i want you to, to distribute this perfectly so that everybody mm-hmm. would be satisfied right well yep. well first of all the 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 leftovers were proof positive that they did have enough to eat. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. The leftovers, excuse me, the leftovers are, are a proof of the miracle. You're right. Yeah. Um, all, all his miracles have leftovers. I mean, the, the guy that's never seen before and he, he sees and he comes back and he's seeing and he sees the sky for the first time and grass for the first time. I mean, I get to read that. So the leftovers of that story go into my heart. Mm. Yeah. Right? That's good. So, so yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's all his miracles 
are there for people to feed off of, you know? And like in the next chapter, if we get to it, the woman who begs for her daughter's life, because she's possessed. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, it's a great story. And it, that's about leftovers. So yeah. real quick, I want to, I want to go to Exodus 16. Now I encourage the listener. If, 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 to pause the podcast and read Exodus 16. Okay. So basically I'm just going to kind of break it down a little bit. Um, he, he tells through Moses, he tells all the people, I will rain down bread from heaven. Now in John six, Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Right. So, so in Exodus 16, he says, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. So, Later on, he says, each one is to gather as he needs. Take an Omar, which is like two quarts, for each person you have in the tent. So the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, which they overestimated. And some gathered little, which they underestimated. Get this, I'm, I'm not paraphrasing, I'm reading scripture. And when they measured it by the Omar, he who gathered much didn't have too much. And he who gathered little didn't have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. What? Mm, come on. I mean, that's God, right? Look, Absolutely. Look, God's like, you're my, you're my kids. You're my children. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to provide for you. Yeah. And if you, yep. if you gather, if you don't gather enough, it's going to be enough. If you gather too much, it's not going to be too much. Yep. So, so like the feeding of the multitude, what little the disciples gathered was enough. Do you, do you see that? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they had what? Five loaves of bread and two fish. That yep. was enough. Yeah, absolutely. So here, here's, then he goes on to say, but no one is to keep any of it till the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until the morning. But guess what? <clears throat> when they get up and they go get this little snack <clears throat> in the morning, yeah. uh, it was full of maggots and it began to smell. And Moses was angry with them. Yeah. Right? So, but unlike the feeding of the multitude, there's no leftovers during the week with manna. No man had kept it to the morning. And no one was to even try to keep it to the morning. However, some did try to keep it and they found it full of maggots and stinking of death. And they had to get rid of the leftovers. So, you know, what's the correlation between you can't have leftovers with this manna, but you can't have leftovers with Jesus. Right? Mm-hmm. All right, here's, here's the deal. But on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much, yeah. twice as much for the Lord says tomorrow is the day of rest. Come on. Right. So that guess, guess what that Hebrew word means? Satisfaction, appeasement, mm. yeah. a holy Sabbath, a reconciliation to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save what is left and keep it till the morning. So they did save it as Moses commanded. And it did not stink of maggots in it. Eat this today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath of the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you gather it, but this is the seventh day. There will be none. Now, look, the, the Sabbath is God's rest. So so mm-hmm. the, the manna kept. Right. It didn't turn sour. It didn't rot. The leftovers are only good in the rest. Jesus is the rest. He is he is the Father's rest. Do you see that, Alex? Absolutely. Look, so so if you look at the golden thread throughout the Bible, which is Christ, because mm-hmm. as Paul says in First Corinthians ten, I don't. This is verse one through four. I don't want you to be ignorant of this fact, brothers, that our forefathers were under the cloud and they passed through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Mm. How what? So 
So he, here you go. Um, so Jesus is the physical representation of the Father's rest. He is God's appeasement and reconciliation. He is the harmony between man and God, right? So th this is a big deal about um, about leftovers. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and and that's you know I mean that's a a correlation that I don't think a lot of people you know may may get and understand when it comes to like it's showing us and representing to us like that Jesus is and always will be enough um you know and, and as you were talking about and, and reflecting back through um Exodus and the manna and God providing for the people and especially the part about, you know, he who gathers too little um, has enough. And sometimes I think in life, like we can be there where we feel like we gather too little or we have too little to be enough or to do enough. And, and it's not about, you know, what we have, but it's about what God provides for us and what he does for us. And so I think that's, you know, a lot that we can take away and understand is God will always be enough. Like he will always be the source. Um, and when we try to rely, like one of the things that, that stands out to me is it's not for the people to, to trust in their own ability to go gather as much man as they can and store it up so that they have enough but yeah. trusting that the next day God will provide again and the next day God will provide again and yeah. the next day God will provide again. And so, you know, that's where I think we can, you know, find takeaway from <clears throat> everything in scripture, obviously is that God will always provide. He will always make a way. And what we see here in these leftovers and, and in the, the manna, you know, on the sixth day you get what you need. And then that next day over, there will still be enough. It will carry over because God provides and Jesus is always enough for us. Um, so I, I love that. And, and I've never really thought about the leftovers being, you know, related to, you know, the manna. And the rest <laughs> um, but I, I love that. And uh, <coughs> well, let, let me tell deep. you why. Let me tell you why it kind of caught my ear or I, or whatever you want to call it. So this story is also recorded in John. You know, this is one of the stories yeah. that, this is one of the miracles that's in every every gospel. But John, after it's done, the disciples said, oh man, we, this is like the next day. And they go, man, we forgot to, we forgot to bring lunch. And Jesus goes, why are you mm -hmm. so concerned about bread? Did, did, don't you don't you understand the lesson of the loaves and they're like what he goes yeah so how many people were there they tell him this is how, what we start out with and they tell him this is what and this is what caught my eye he mm -hmm. also asked them when he's trying to describe the lesson of the loaves and trying to get them to understand he says well how many basketfuls of leftovers did you pick up and they went 12 he goes don't you get it and they're like, no, <laughs> I still, you know, and I didn't either. I was like, no, I don't get it either. Yeah. But immediately after that, he says, look, I need you to be very, very careful and aware of the yeast of the mm. Pharisees and that of the world. Well, yeah. he said Herod, which Pharisees are religious teaching. Watch out for false teaching, he's saying, and watch out for the world's teaching. Both yeah. of them are mindsets that are anti-Christ. OK, mm -hmm. so so the lows, what the basic here's the here's the basic meaning of the lesson of the lows. I am the bread that came down from heaven. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that is good. And then, you know, thinking about it, too, just as we kind of wrap that up, though, um, you know, 12 disciples, 12 basketfuls of leftover. And. It made me think now, you know, thinking back to the manna and thinking back to, you know, get 
get whatever you need on the sixth day and it'll carry over to last through the Sabbath. You don't have to work for that extra day, right? So on the re- on the day of rest, like what they had, they didn't have to work for. It was provided for them. It carried over. The disciples didn't have to work for this these basketfuls, one basketful per disciple. And so that being their their leftovers, right? into that lasted however long it needed to, uh, you know, even more so than just the feeding of the 5,000 in that moment, you yep. carrying over for them. And Jesus provided it all for them. They didn't yep. have to go work, you know, for it and earn it. Well, um, that, that's a, that's a great point. And um, it kind of, kind of reminded me that on the Sabbath, when they didn't have to work for it mm-hmm. and, and their, and their, their manna kept, did not yeah. rot. That's yeah. a foreshadowing of salvation. That's what that is. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. what that is. Because you don't yeah. have to work for that, you know. Dude, that's like some cold chills right there. Like that's that's crazy. That's that's good. Yeah. Oh man. I yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Like we could we could wrap it up there. I think we've got a. Uh, the Lord has done something great already. Um. Oh, we got to talk about walking on the water, man. <laughs> yeah, I <don't> know. <laughs> like, what? oh man, dude. Like, I'm not kidding, man. That that gave me, you know, just talking about that last little bit there, uh, gave me some some goosebumps. But, uh, yeah. So, you know that that's what we we've dug into. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. At least the feeding of the five thousand. Not quite that much about the leftovers, but now we roll into Mark six. Um, starting at verse 45. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. And Mark immediately picks up here. I'm going to read through 45 through, I think it's uh, the rest of the chapter. I think it's like yep. um, and then we'll, we'll unpack what's happening here. But it goes on and it says in verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd, or while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, Uh, He went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. How about that? They had crossed over. They landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went into villages towns or countryside they placed the sick in the marketplaces they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed what come on some good stuff right there yeah that's real good stuff um you know and and this too i i I think it's always interesting how the different, you know, writers of, of the separate gospels uh, cover certain events. Um, and, you know, Matthew also records this incident and John also records this incident. Um, however, Mark does not talk about Peter um, in this, in this um, uh, interaction when they're on the boat and Jesus, you know, walks by them. Because uh, this is where Ma- uh, Matthew records it, and I think Matthew fourteen that Peter, you know, calls out and says, "Hey Jesus, if it's really you, then then call me out on the water." And uh, and then Peter steps out of the boat and and actually, um, you know, stands on the water and walks towards Jesus uh, a few steps at least. So, um, but here in Mark, he doesn't, you know, really reference it. He just gets the the point of the uh, of the fact that. They're in the boat. They're, you know, having trouble, like rowing against the wind. So they're having a hard time. They're straining. And then Jesus comes, you know, out to them. And so 
Uh, one thing I want to, you know, kind of highlight or underline too is it says in verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. And so back in, what was it, Mark, Mark 4 at the end, you know, Jesus had his disciples get into the boat to head to, you know, the, the other side where they, they met the demon possessed man and Jesus did a miracle there. So, you know, this again is, is something obviously, you know, I, I, I think Jesus is setting this, this up, right? Like he's giving them instructions. Hey, go on ahead of me. He goes off, he goes to pray, but he's, he's doing this so that, they could have this encounter. And so that the disciples again could see him doing something miraculous and amazing, something that, that no human could do just on their own. Um, and, and, and that's where we see them when they're in the boat and Jesus is walking to them. Um, but it's, it's again, just another opportunity for his disciples to witness and be amazed at who Jesus is. Dude, Even how, though they still long, struggle, how long are they struggling? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, the, the, Jesus can still see them from the mountaintop. They ain't gone right. far. Yeah, you know they're in there struggling. You know they're not going. They they might every time they take a a, a a yard, it goes back two yards or something like that, right? Yeah. And they're in there singing "Against the Wind" by Bob Seger, right? And <laughs> they're like, man, I'm rowing against the wind. Anyway, yeah. so what I think is very interesting about Mark's uh, rendition of this story is that it, it says it, it it says he meant to pass them by. Did you did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. He meant to pass them by. Like that that greek word there is to purposefully neglect or disregard mhm he's going by them yeah what i mean i thought the whole point of the story was to show the disciples that he was lord of the elements he can walk on water if he wants to yeah that's good that's good so point. why is he yeah. going why is his will and intention to purposefully walk by these disciples and and, and th then they don't even recognize it they don't even they're terrified terrified yeah. shaking in their boots man yeah well see you know that and that's a good point and then i guess it comes down to to translations too because in the niv it does say that he uh he was about to pass by them but just before that, it says shortly before dawn, he went out to them. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's just referencing like he went out in the general vicinity of where they were. Um, so it, it says he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. So I wonder, too, if, you know, if it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, I'm coming by. I'm within your your eyesight. If you see me, what are you, you, you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and they do, you know, respond and react and think he's a ghost because I, I was I was reading one commentary was was kind of talking about you know like for the the Jewish people in that time especially like that was a, a superstition of theirs is that you know if if something bad was, was happening or was going to happen, like there would be, you know, you would see some, some ghost or some, you know, like figure like that. And so their fear was very like real to them in that moment of, Oh no, what's about to happen. Like that's, um, a, that's an omen, like a bad omen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then come to find out is, you know, it's not that, but rather it's Jesus. And then, you know, I've thought a lot that how often do we do that in our own lives is that we're struggling, right? We're, we're like the disciples. We're either, you know, just fighting against the wind. We're not going anywhere. We're just, you know, against all odds. And then Jesus is right there. And either we recognize this Jesus and we, you know, like seek 
and, and are drawn to him or we think it's a ghost and we're terrified. All right, check this out, Alex. I can't believe you just said that. So I found this in Job 9. So this is this is Job 9, 8 through 11, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get this. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He performs miracles that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be numbered. When he passes by me, I can't see him. When he goes by, I can't perceive him. Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with this story we're reading, mm-hmm. but it's uncanny that how, how similar it is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, but they don't recognize him. They see him. They don't recognize him. Mm-hmm. And even, even my translation says, it is I. But if you look up the Greek, it's ego and me, which is I am. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they would have, and that would be, you know, like obviously a, a correlation and connection to, you know, for the disciples in that moment to understand and be like, oh, that's Jesus, right? That's, and, and you know, and then if you think about it, like how many people in this time, like what we're about to talk about in, in chapter seven, if we make it into chapter seven with the Pharisees, right? They saw him, but they didn't recognize him. They, they physically like with their own eyes, the Pharisees saw Jesus in their day in the flesh, but they didn't recognize him. Yep. That's, that's what like, I am so thankful and that I know and I recognize Jesus, not on my own, like understanding or my, you know, just great knowledge that I have. Like it has nothing to do with that. Like my eyes have been open. My heart has been open to see and to receive who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And it terrifies me to think that there are people who can see Jesus, but not know it's him. Uh, well, they were terrified. I mean, yeah. That what that means is that they had inner tor- turmoil. Like, mm-hmm. like everything, all the elements that were going on around them, that's a perfect physical description of what was going on inside them. Yeah, that's right? very true. Very so, true. and then he says, take courage, like be still inside. Yeah. Stand, stand firm, right? It is, I am, it's me. I'm the bread yeah. of life. I'm the satisfaction. You don't have to be afraid, right? Mm. He says, don't mm. be afraid. And that's a fear that causes withdrawal. Like, like, um, like, like you're paralyzed almost inside. Yeah. Yeah. That kind it of just fear. Like locks you down. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 So, so then the, the strong winds stop, man. They just, they stop. Yep. And, and then they're completely amazed. <clears throat> they are just, they're rattled. I'm telling you, that's, this is where, you have the saying beside themselves. I was beside myself. I mean, you ever thought about what that means? It means you are so stupefied that you're kind of like outside yourself looking going, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're out of their stance of their view of reality. They, they, they are freaking out. Why? Because they hadn't understood the lessons of the loaves. W- what was that? I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the satisfaction. I ha- I am your everything. I am, he said. Yeah. Why did they understand? Because their hearts were hard. They're calloused. There's no fertile ground there yet. Their minds and mm. wills and personalities are insensible. They're dull. They're unresponsive to anything outside the temporal. They don't get it yet. They will. <clears throat> They'll get it. Yeah. And, you know, his... his what he says to address the disciples to um, <clears throat> brings me back to something we talked about a few weeks ago in Mark five, when Jesus is talking to, um, to Jairus 
and, and his who is one of the the synagogue leaders who has a, his daughter sick, right? And so we walk through that that story and what happens there, and his daughter ends up dying, and so. Jairus is told in that moment, hey, don't worry about messing with Jesus anymore. Like your daughter's already passed away. Don't bother Jesus. And then Jesus, it says in verse 36 of Mark 5, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Right. Don't be afraid. And, and then here Jesus is telling his disciples, don't be afraid. After they've his disciples were with him when he healed the demon possessed man. Right. Freedom of thousands of demons. They were there. They were there when Jesus uh, healed the the woman who had been sick and bleeding for 12 years. They were there. They saw it. They witnessed it. They were there when when, uh, Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, or at least a couple of them were in the room. The the rest of them would have still seen it afterwards when she was up and and walking around. They were there for the feeding of the the 5,000, but yet still here in this moment, they're afraid. And I'm not... I'm not like shaming them or blaming them, but I want us to understand because I, I've been there. Like I've I've read the Bible, right? Multiple times, front to back. Praise the Lord, because I don't enjoy reading a whole lot. So I'm thankful that I, I have been able to do that. And I understand and I see God's word and I see his promises. I see his faithfulness. I see how time and time again from the beginning of time that he comes through, but yet I still find myself just like the disciples at time. And I'm overwhelmed. I'm afraid. And and just like that, that fear you says that paralyzes, sometimes that's where I feel like I am. And I feel like I'm just stuck and I can't do anything because I'm terrified. And it's because of exactly what you said. It was the elements around them that were causing them to be afraid. And they were not able to see Jesus right there in that moment, right there with them. Um, And it, you know, and and that's what happens to us. And I mentioned about, you know, how Matthew talks about like Peter's interaction in the same incident where Peter steps out of the boat and his eyes are fixed on Jesus and he starts to walk towards him. But the moment he looks at the wind and the moment he looks at the waves and how bad it is around him, rather than focusing on Jesus, he begins to sink. And that's what happens to us. That's what happens to me. But it, the key is don't be afraid. We don't have to live in fear <clears throat> because Jesus, when, we're, when our eyes are fixed on him, we have that internal peace, right? We can take courage and be calm in the middle of any storm. Yep. So in the same uh, chapter of Job that I read from a minute ago, if you read just a little bit further, Job tells you his plight. He says, Mm. look, Job knows he can't get to God. He knows there's a barrier between, he can't see God. Yeah. And that he's not going to win any argument with God. So he's got, he's, he's troubled about this. And this is what he says. And this is the lesson of the loaves, Alex. This is uh, 33 through 35 in Job 9. If only there was someone to arbitrate between us, someone to lay his hand upon us both. He's Mm. talking about him and God. If there was somebody that could remove God's rod from me, his wrath from me, so that his terror would frighten me no more, then I would Mm. be able to speak up without fear of him. But as now stands, I cannot. So Jesus is that arbitrator. He's the he's the guy his hand on me and got his hand on the father. And says, you guys can now be in the same room. Come home. Are you kidding me? Wow. So that's that's who Jesus is. And and he's walking on the water. And they're freaking out. He goes, hey, I am. Yeah. Take a big chill pill. (laughs) You guys are fine. Yeah. Man, come on. Dude, that's that's so good. And, And, you know, that's what we can tend to forget. That's what we can lose sight of is that Jesus is there. Jesus is with us. Even when when things are, are difficult and, and life is is in a season where it's hard. Um, Jesus is there. And so like the disciples, we just we must recognize him um, 
and, and not just these circumstances that are around us. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, like ignorant or oblivious to what's happening. Um, I mean, perfect example is, you know, just the, the way the world is today. It's not like we act like everything is just, you know, perfect rainbows, butterflies and sunshine, but rather we understand that things are crazy, but internally things don't have to be crazy because we have Jesus. Um, yep. And so, yeah. And, and then when that happens, what the disciples experience in verse 51, then he climbed into the boat with them. Jesus was with him in the boat and the wind with died down. That's, I love yep. It. Yep. And the wind died down. And so then it, then it says they were completely amazed and, and time and time again, Jesus amazes us like that. I don't think, you know, is, is intended to stop. Like Jesus is, 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 and always will be amazing. Like, I mean, that's just, that's the, you know, yeah, he hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah he, exactly. He doesn't change. Exactly. He's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So, so where did they land? Did you did you see where they landed? You know what yeah, this area is. You know what this region is. This is where they had told him to leave after he had healed the demoniac, and and the demoniac wanted to go with him. He said, "No, you go back." And you tell everybody what God's done for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, oh, when, so when they yeah. they land back, immediately they recognize him and began to bring the sick people on their beds to where they were. Yeah. And, and what? And and so many were healed. Yeah. And and that's that's the miracle of the word. Spreading the good news. Yes. Amen. Yep. Yep. And, and I love to, because if you go back to Mark five at the end, when, when he sends the, um, the man out of, of Mark verse 18, where the man comes to, to Jesus and says, you know, Hey, I want to go with you. Um, and then verse 19, Jesus did not let him, but said, go, home to your own people and tell how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Verse 20. So the man went away and began or began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And what's awesome is right before this, the people come out and they're afraid. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word there as the disciples were afraid. mm. It's the same word. Yeah. I'm telling and, you, you can be so scared of truth that you tell it to go away. Yeah, yeah. And Don't that's be what the scared people of do. truth. Embrace truth. Love and love embraces truth. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And just when they're afraid, right? Like they're they're asking Jesus to leave. And then Jesus sends this man who had just been changed, right? Who had just been set free. He goes into the, the town and tells how much Jesus had done for him. And then it says, and all the people were amazed. Yep. Just like the disciples were amazed at Jesus when he steps into the boat with them and calms the wind. And so here they are now because of this, this man's obedience, right? This guy's obedience to say, you know what? Jesus told me not to go with him, but he did tell me I could go back to these people and I could tell them about, about how great he is and what he's done for me. See, that's us. That's that's our mission is to yep. just tell people what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to, you know, stand in front of thousands and preach messages and, you know, do all these miraculous things. All we have to do is go tell someone yep. what Jesus has done for us. So and then Alex, you, you see ahead, these sorry. people coming to Jesus now just running to him because they want to be where he is. So Alex, um, today, um, there's a lot of winds and a lot of waves going on today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, everybody's kind of freaking out. Everybody is wanting Everybody has this question. What is truth? Like what, 
am I being told the truth? Um, I just, I just want you to know that in in First John four eighteen it says, "There is no fear in love, mm. but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment." The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So I want I want the listeners to hear me out, okay? There's a lot going on today. So I'm sitting back and I'm like watching all this stuff, okay? And to me, this is just my opinion, to me, the true pandemic is fear. Especially within the church. Mm. If you are a believer... And you are scared to death about everything that's going on. Fear not. God's got you. Yeah. He's in the boat with you. If he tells you to walk on the water, walk on the water. If he tells you to be quiet and be still, be quiet and be still. But I want you to stand up for the truth and don't be afraid. Okay? Amen if you're not that. a believer and you're listening to this, if, if you don't want to be afraid anymore and God's calling you, then don't be afraid anymore. Embrace him. Mm, come on. Just don't be afraid anymore. I mean, do you know how good it feels not to be afraid? And it's not something that I muster up. It's because right. of my Savior. Come on. I'm, I'm not doing it. I mm. can't do it. I, I know what it feels like to be really, really afraid and be uncertain and have no hope. I know what that feels like. Now yeah. I know what it feels like to not be afraid. And to mm. have hope, to actually have hope, no matter what. That's my mm. anchor, man. Yeah. That's my anchor. That's it. So, Alex, can you tell those who God is talking to today, can you tell them how to get in touch with us so we can, you know, uh, steer them in the right direction to find a church or give them some materials to study? Absolutely, yeah. If if that's you and, and you know that God is talking to you, he's been – He's been nudging you this entire um, episode. Please reach out to us. You can email us at info at hoperisingministries.cc or you can um, find us on Facebook at Hope Rising Ministries SC and send us a message through that as well. Um, leave us a comment on a, on a post or on this podcast episode. Um, but just reach out to us. We would love to help you, to encourage you, pray with you in whatever way that we can. Um, and, and help you get connected to a local church, uh, to a body of believers that that it will be there to encourage you and, and walk with you through this. So please, if that's you, reach out to us. We would love to, to hear from you and talk with you. And, you know, just for everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you for, um, you know, sticking it out with us. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by it. I know personally I have. Um, just, you know, through this conversation today, like this has been extremely encouraging for me. Um, so I hope it has been for everyone else. As always, thank you, Trey, uh, for being here. Yep. Much appreciated. And um, we hope that you all have a great and awesome uh, week ahead and can't wait to be back with you again next week. Yep. God Peace bless. out, peoples.